Get in, loser. We're going to book club. This is our whole deal. We're friends who read books. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Renee. Welcome to Cry Baby Books. How's it going, Renee? It's going well. Post-holiday chaos has been nice. Once we got back from Louisiana, where Lindsay and I had a coffee date, I (laughs) sat on the couch for like a solid 24 hours. Good. It was so white. Good. I love it. I'm like still in my post-holiday haze. I'm like my brain's still not firing on all cylinders. I told myself next week. Next week I'll turn my brain on. Next week. After Sunday. Do you work Monday or not till Tuesday? I don't work Monday. So on Tuesday I will turn my brain on. Tentatively. Tentatively. Tentative invite to the turning the brain on. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. I'm a maybe for that one. (laughs) Are you guys doing anything fun for New Year's? Yeah, we're staying home oh. and not socializing. I'm so thrilled. I'm I'm still like this holiday was so chaotic for us and for me with my family stuff that I'm just like, nope, just leave me alone. I have lots of books to read. We're doing a um a firework torch parade, but it starts at five thirty, and I'm like, yes, this is exactly what I because it'll be dark by five thirty, and so I'm like, I can do five thirty. I can go up in the mountain, watch the parade, get cozy, and then come back home for, what, 7.30? That's amazing. Right. What's a torch parade? Um, At a ski resort, people who are, like, expert advanced, which is um, not me, will <laughs> go up to the top of the mountain and carry, like, a red torch, and they'll ski the same line together. So it looks kind of like a red snake coming all the way down the mountain. And if you sit at the bottom, you can, like, watch it from the top and it cute yeah cute yeah i won't be doing that (laughs) i won't be doing that either i'll be sitting in a double chair yeah i will love the pic i I can't wait for you to post pictures i'll love that okay this week we are going to be discussing new books releasing in january that we cannot wait to read i have so many that i have been like periodically checking at the library if like my hold is ready yet and all of them come out in january so i feel like january is going to be a strong reading month this is when people start their like read 50 books in a year read 100 books in Mm -hmm. a year read like 12 books in a year um yeah little not i don't want to say goodreads um is it however people track their books yeah they check them on goodreads or in storygraph or some people don't use any of the apps they just write them down in a notebook whatever if you're uh, but like me, I have found... you read them and you don't write down what books they are and you don't put them anywhere <laughs> and then you forget about them. <laughs> well, some would say having a book podcast <laughs> would change that, but not Renee. She no, loves the challenge. Not me. I am who I am. Um, no, I feel like the last several years in a row, January like was the month that I read some of the most like impactful books of the year. I don't know if it's – it was definitely not on purpose, but I look back and I had like – so many five star books I always read in January. So I've got high hopes. High hopes. It's birthday, girl. High hopes. Birthday. It's birthday oh, reading. That's right. Period. It's birthday reading. Everything in the whole world is about you for the rest of time. That's right. Okay. Let me hear your first book. Okay. My first book I'm so psyched about. It is The Fury by Alex Michaelides. Um, I've loved both of his books that I've read so far. He wrote The Silent Patient, which I'm pretty sure we've discussed here on the pod, and The Maidens, which I also think we may have discussed here on the podcast before. 
both very like Greek inspired mystery thriller style books. Um, so I'm so psyched to read The Fury. Um, so I'm going to read the summary for this one. I, I tried to rewrite it and I was like, the perspectives are confusing, which is probably just means that this is told in an interesting perspective. So I was like, let me not portray it. Let me just read let me not what the up. famous author has written. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> okay, so this is what, uh, this is like back of the book. This is a tale of murder, or maybe that's not quite true. At its heart, it's a love story, isn't it? Lana is a reclusive ex-movie star and one of the most famous women in the world. And every year, she invites her closest friends to escape the English weather and spend Easter on her idyllic private Greek island. I tell you this because you may know this story. You probably read about it at the time. It caused a real stir in the tabloids, if you remember. It had all the necessary ingredients for a press sensation. A celebrity, a private island cut off by the wind, and a murder. And we found ourselves trapped there overnight, our old friendships concealed hatred and a desire for revenge. What followed was a game of cat and mouse, a battle of wits full of twists and turns, building to an unforgettable climax. And the night ended in violence and death as one of us was found murdered. But who am I? My name is Elliot Chase, and I'm going to tell you a story unlike any you've ever heard. I almost this sounds so good. <laughs> I'm, I'm listening I... to you read it, and I'm like, gosh, this sounds so familiar. <laughs> no, I I have loved his other thrillers, and like he everybody great... and their mom read The Silent Patient. Yeah, it was a book of the month. It had it had a lot of press, um, and and for books like that, it's kind of challenging, right? Because you're like. A book that has a huge advertising budget behind it. How good is it really? But I really enjoyed both of his. I think I liked um, The Maidens better than The Silent Patient. But regardless, they were both over four stars for me. So I can't wait for this one. Sounds like a good one. Yeah. Okay. What's your first book that you're excited about for January? Okay. So January is a month where millennial and older women, their first instinct is to be like, well, I'm going to lose 20 pounds. And then they're like, no. I no, I'm not going to do that. Um, and so when I was looking for New Year's books, there were a lot of like resolution based books. Mm-hmm. So I took a I took a spin on it. And my first book is called 90 Days to Rewire Your Brain, The Gratitude Effect by Randy Kamen. And it's a gratitude journal style book. And I love a journal and I love journaling. And I when I looked at the, um, like what the pages look like, it's crisp, it's clean. Each day you set an intention and you talk about it. But the why behind the book, I really liked. So once again, I'm not going to summarize a gratitude journal in my own words. I'm going to let, <laughs> I'm going to let someone with a degree do that. Um, gratitude is a powerful emotion that conveys appreciation for a moment that's touched you in some way and moves you to express thankfulness. When you experience gratitude, your brain releases neurotransmitters like dopamine and serotonin, resulting in a host of tangible benefits associated with positive thinking and emotions. When practiced regularly, gratitude literally rewires your brain to be more optimistic, flexible, joyful, playful, and reducing stress and anxiety, which is going to help your whole body. Like the more happy you are in your brain is going to like all of your systems will follow. Right. So... I'm looking to engage my brain's neuroplasticity. I'm looking to be grateful for things. I'm looking for (laughs) a book where I can write down, like read something inspiring that reminds me about why I'm doing it and then jot down something I'm grateful for. So that's my first pick. And it's not about my body. (laughs) 
Unless Damn I'm, it. Unless I'm thankful for her on that day. <laughs> That's right, bitch. Which is um, really po- very possible. I'm like, thank you for my health. I'm not praying. I'm not <laughs> praying to anybody, but I'm like, I have must put it into the universe so I don't get sick. <laughs> right. I I 100% get that. Um. Totally. I love your that is like so intentional and beautiful and mine is like how do I escape all of the trauma from Christmas let me just read the most outlandish books possible because <laughs> um, yin and yang it's why we work it is um, okay so my next book is called interesting facts about space by Emily Austin uh, she actually wrote one of my favorite book club picks that I read this year um, <laughs> that you did not read uh, she- because because it's called everyone in this room will someday be dead and if you know Renee you know that's it. Did you not just already. hear me talk about my health? I must put it into the universe so I don't get sick. <laughs> not read about. Did death. you not hear me say we're so opposite? <laughs> Interesting facts um, about space. You know what else is scary to me? Um, outer space. So no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well Renee won't read this, but you guys might. Um, so last year, um, our book club got to a point where I was like. All right, I'm picking out enough books for the podcast. Somebody else has to figure out the books that we're going to read. Um, one of our book club members, Megan, picked out Everyone in This Room Will Someday Be Dead. And I loved it. It was like definitely one of those books that's like stream of consciousness style writing. But the heroine was very interesting. The thought process was very funny. There were so many times that I laughed out loud. And it was one of those books that I didn't realize I was like plowing through. And so when I saw, I thought that this book looked interesting. And then I was like, I think I recognize that name. And when I saw that she was the same author, I was like, of course, I have to read this. So shout out to Megan for getting me out of my comfort zone a little bit. Um, so interesting facts about space promises to be a fast paced, hilarious and ultimately hopeful novel for anybody who's ever worried that they might be a terrible person. So Enid can tell you about black holes and spaghettification and any of the terrors of space without even batting an eye. But she has one major fear, and that's bald men. But she doesn't advertise that. It just really, they really freak her out. And I get that. (laughs) (laughs) And that makes a lot of sense to me personally. (laughs) I can actually really relate. Um, So after the death of her absent father, she's trying to forge relationships with her estranged sisters. And she's like serial dating women from dating apps. And, you know, she's got a lot going on. And so all of that to say her true crime podcast obsession is like really starting to mess with her and she starts to think somebody's following her and she's like, am I paranoid? Am I just very safe and smart and good at pattern recognition or am I just like a horrible person? And so reviews of this book say that it shows the readers the power of revealing our secret shames in the most beautifully human parts of us all. And book club had mixed reviews about everyone in this room will someday be dead but personally i just found it so human and so silly and it was like reading someone's like internal monologue who is like fully unhinged and i just i don't know there's something very funny and comforting about that for me so i can't wait to read this one i think emily austin has a really interesting style of writing that is just really easy to read and enjoy i love a stream of consciousness book because that's how i'm that's how I'm reading every book is <laughs> like one big long what's happening. There were a couple books that I looked at when I was picking and they were like eight main characters and I was immediately like, nope, I'm not. Mm-mm, nope. I cannot. Too much. Eight. One, yeah, two, three, four, much. five, six, seven, eight. That's unnecessary. <laughs> I don't even know eight people. <laughs> Why would I want to read a book about eight of them? <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. What's your next book? Okay. My next book, I think if I talk about in a way that's too serious, I might cry. Um, Okay. 
Unshrieking by Kate Mann. I know her last name is Mann. However, she is like a feminist <laughs> philosophist. Um, Love. And philosopher. Oh, my God. John, cut it. <laughs> John, leave it. <laughs> We're not philosophists here. <laughs> I'm reading the word philosophy and I was like, yeah, a philosophist. Um, Kate has a couple of different books, but Unshrinking is about, um, it's like a call to action book about fat phobia and how we got here and where we go oh from my God. here. Yeah. So the back of the book is, Bitch. is really what got me first. Um, for as long as she can remember, Kate Mann has wanted to be smaller. She can tell you what she weighed on any significant occasion, her wedding day, the day she became a professor, the day that her daughter was born, she's been bullied and belittled for her size, leading to extreme dieting. As a feminist philosopher, she wanted to believe that she was exempt from cultural gaslighting that compels so many of us to ignore our hunger, but she was not. And so it's a kind of a blend of like intimate stories that are from her and from other people and how fat phobia has become a social justice issue and how anti-fatness um, leads people to believe that fat people are like not as smart as thin people, or not as clean, or not as even healthy sometimes, um, and that it's responsible for medical neglect and educational outcomes and wage gaps. So, this is going to be oh my God. a hard that read, so good. but a really, really good read. So and really important, especially in January, like while you, like you had even gotten two sentences in and I put it on hold at the library. Did you, I, like, I, I saw you clicking yes, around. I literally, you saw me clicking. That's <laughs> what it was. I was putting it on hold. That sounds so beautiful and so important. Um, I feel like, you know, as someone who's lived in a skinny body and then someone who has lived in a bigger body, it's crazy. And you as someone who's lived in a bigger body and then lived in a smaller body, it's hard for someone who hasn't had both of those lived experiences to understand just how differently you're treated by family, by friends, by doctors, by teachers, by workplaces. It's like you're, yeah, it's, it's just so crazy. It's wildly different. <laughs> it's just so wild. That sounds so, oh my God, I'm totally reading that with you. You have to tell me like the minute that you get it so we can start. Is this going to be our cry? January? No, it's, you get to pick January. And I don't think this should yeah, be our I February can't. read. Should, March? <laughs> April? <laughs> Spring? <laughs> Spring reading? Maybe book club can do non-fic February again and we can read this one. That would be good. I'm for sure. I'd love to read it together. I think it would be good. Oh, my God. Okay, so um, another wildly different uh, counterpart to that, No One Can Know by Kate Alice Marshall. Did you see she has a new book? Yes, I did see that she has a new book. And I um, I went to put it on my list and I was like, let me just check. Let me just check. And upon <laughs> my checking, it was on your list. <laughs> I had a feeling this would be the one. Yeah. Um, so Kate Alice Marshall brought listeners, in case you don't know, she brought us What Lies in the Woods, one of the most insane thrillers that I've read in my life. Um, we have done a two-part series on this book. So if you didn't read the book, you don't feel like reading the book, Renee and I will happily have you listen to us telling you the story. It was fucking crazy. But this book was so crazy that like Renee and I still talk about it. Like We still reference it to this day. Just some of the writing was just so... It was so good, but if you love a thrilling book and you love something that's like boom, 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 like twist after turn after twist after turn, I think you would like that. Um, so in her new book, No One Can Know, um, she has some pretty big shoes to fill, even though those shoes are her own. But all of that to say, let me tell you a little bit about what it's about. 
So the Palmer sisters left their home 14 years ago, and they have never returned. But when Emma discovers she's pregnant, right when her husband loses his job, she's got no options, and her only option is to return to the house that she and her estranged sister still own, even if it was the house that her parents were murdered in. And so Emma never told anybody what she saw the night that her parents were died, even when she became the number one suspect, and her presence in the house draws the sisters together again. And so as they face their memories, their rivalries restart, new connections are forged, and Emma starts to finally ask questions about what really happened to her parents. And so she starts to kind of realize and wonder, like, how far will her siblings go to keep the past buried and whether or not she did the right thing staying quiet. And I just, I've read Girls a book by Kate Alice Marshall. siblings <laughs> join hands. Can't, can't, can't relate. <laughs> like um no i think that this is this is going to be so good and as i was reading it i saw like a couple of similar plot points to um what lies in the woods but those were things about the book that we just loved and so i can't, I can't wait to read it i think it's gonna be fucking crazy i think it's gonna be one of those like can't put down books i think so too okay my next book feels similar to your first book um but a little bit different so it's called Everyone on the Train is a Suspect by Benjamin Stevenson. And it's a follow-up. Um, it's the second book in a, not series, but it follows the same, like, main character who was in, like, a locked room style murder. Um, kind uh, of, like, kind yeah. of corny, goofy. Um, okay. Mystery. Agatha Christie, but she's funny. Okay. Just move okay. Need a prose. She she <laughs> apparently okay. is a big fan of this book. Um, Ooh. So it's the same kind of style. So the main character is a writer, and the Australian Mystery Writers Society has invited him to a crime writing festival on this famous train between two cities in Australia that I for sure cannot pronounce. Um, <laughs> and he's hoping that on this train ride he can have some time to like work on his next book. And everybody else on the train is a writer. There's a debut writer, a forensic science writer, a blockbuster writer, legal thriller, literary, psychological suspense. And then one of the one of the writers is murdered and the remaining authors quickly turn into five detectives together. They should know how to solve a crime. Um, so it's a follow up book with the main character. But the reviews said that, like, it was really funny, like the pre-readers and it kind of broke the fourth wall a lot which I think is funny yeah um and the cover is gorgeous which was obviously part of the reason I picked her she's it's like (laughs) train window orange sunlight a knife sticking through the window oh well we have to read that who who wrote this one Benjamin Stevenson interesting it's I'm picturing one of the um gosh what is his name Richard Oswald maybe Anyway, there's, like, a famous mystery writer who has, like, really, like, campy covers like that. But it's, like, kind of, like, cute whodunits instead of, like, horrible thrillers, you know? Yeah. Is, I think it's a cute whodunit, not a, not a scary. Yeah. That sounds cute. I want to read that. It sounds like uh, Murder on the Orient Express, kind of. Yes. I'm trying to remember the quote. It was, like, the top of the book says something like, Nita Prose's favorite <laughs> mystery writer. So then I was like, Nita, I love you. So. Oh, my God. Wait till you read her new book. Wait till you fucking read it, babe. It's so. It's on my TBR. Listeners. 
listeners, if you haven't sidebar, this is it's a new release, but it's already out. If you love the maid, like so many of our listeners did, you've got to read get back the mystery in, guest. Get back I, into Molly's world. You just finished it, right? Yeah, I just finished it a couple days ago, and I had very low expectations. How do you follow up the perfect mystery novel? You know what I mean? Apparently How do you, you do, do it? it? Need a pros knows. Okay. I knows. was so in love. It was a five-star book for me. It's one of my favorite re- reads from this year, and so I'm just so thrilled that she's letting us be in her world again. Molly the Maid, we love you. All right. Let's hear your next. Okay. So I wrote a really long like blurb about this because I think that modern retellings of Greek mythology are I'm just obsessed with it it's like a niche read that I can't get enough of and so my next book is called Divine Might Goddesses and Greek Myth by Natalie Haynes um okay so we've discussed her work on the podcast before she's written two books that I love um, A Thousand Ships is one and Pandora's Jar is another and one of the books that is like perpetually on my TBR, it's like I can, it's on my shelf right now, just begging to be read. Uh, Stone Blind, Medusa's story. She's yeah. also written that one. Um, so I just love her work. I love that she retells um, Greek mythology from the female perspective, and she does such elaborate research. Like what, like she she puts in like a whole chapter at the end of the book, all of her sources, and I even read those because I think it's so interesting. One of the books I read of hers, like, cited, um, like, ancient vases that was, like, that was how they told stories. Oh. Literally. Yeah. Isn't that so crazy? Because it it was, like, she, she's, like, this was how they told stories. This were, these were their books. And so I just think that she does such research and such, like, reads such dense materials. And then she writes, like, rewrites these stories of these goddesses in such a palatable, interesting way. Um. I just love her. I think she's so good. So she tells the stories of goddesses just as mighty and destructive as their male counterparts. And she always begs the question, isn't it time that we looked beyond the columns of a ruined temple to the awesome power within? Ooh. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about some of the goddesses that she writes about. Um, so first we meet. So I've seen I've seen different pronunciations of this. Some say Athene, some say Athene, the goddess of war and wisdom. So she's the god, the guardian of Athens, and she sprang fully formed from her father's head, which if only that was how childbirth worked. Um, then we meet Artemis, the goddess of hunting and the protector of young girls. And that is young girls aside from the ones that she decides that she wants as a sacrifice. Aside from them, we meet Aphrodite, the goddess of sex and desire, who there is no deity more determined and able to make you miserable if you get on her nerves. Slay. Slay. And then there's the queen of all of the Olympian gods, Hera. She is Zeus's long-suffering wife, whose jealousy of his dalliances with mortals and nymphs and goddesses lead her to wreak elaborate and vicious revenge on everyone who has wronged her. Slay Hera. And then there's Demeter. She's the goddess of agriculture, and she is the mother of Persephone, who you may know was abducted by Hades and now rules the underworld with Hades. And then the Muses with their immortal song and the Furies who carry black fires of vengeance for everyone who incurs their wrath. I just think that... Girl power. Girl power. Women had such a like prevalence in Greek mythology, and yet we talk about Zeus, and we talk about Hades, and we talk about the gods, not the goddesses. But like historically, 
they were such an important part of the story. So she's just giving them voices again and teaching like the modern reader all of these important people. And I also was like, I have to read this alongside of reading The Fury by uh, Alex Michaelides. Yeah. Because it was the name is inspired by The Furies. So we got to do it. I just can't wait. I, I feel like I learned so much because they're myths, right? So it's not technically nonfiction, but she's citing so many like right. thousands of sources that it kind of feels like it. It's like a story that the little true kind of maybe. But we're learning. We're learning things. But we're learning. We're academics. We're academics. Philosophists. <laughs> we I are am so embarrassed. <laughs> Please don't be. It's early morning. We're philosophists, babe. It is. I've only had one and three-fourths cups of coffee. <laughs> okay. My last book is not a January release, but on the on the spirit of January and New Year's and making the right kind of um what's that thing called? Resolution. Um <laughs> I'm like, never heard of her. Um wait, hold on. There's a different book that we've talked about before, which comes out um now or January. I we I know that we've talked about the whole book, but I think it's called like Once Upon a Millennial. It's got like a CD cover on the front. <gasps> oh. And it's like millennial stories and like the AOL era and it's like funny. It's it's for sure hot and funny and we've talked about it before, but that book comes um that book comes out this month as well. It's called Once in a Millennial on friendships, feelings, fangirls and fitting in. Oh my god, we have to read um, that. And that's by Kate Kennedy. And the front has like, yeah, it's got like the CD that you wrote on it, like car hits with a squiggle. <laughs> you put a squiggle before and after each word. Oh my god. Okay, I'm I'm literally on my library app right now looking for it. Oh my god, I've gotten you. I'm glad that you it. added that. I forgot we talked about it. Yeah, we did. Um I need to make sure that I put that in the description because that's a book that I for sure want to read. And now that she's out, I just don't I just don't want to rehash her from the beginning. Um, but my resolution book came out in 2019. Um, it's called the art of making memories, how to create and remember happy moments by Mike Wiking. And he is a little Scandinavian, um, person and like notably called the happiest man in the world. And he's just, Oh dear. He exudes joy. We're, we're listening to him. We're listening to a man. What's wrong? What's the, I've just, I've. I don't don't love to listen to men. That's the only thing. I'm like, now you're going to have to sell me. Okay. Memories are the cornerstones (laughs) of our identity, shaping who we are, how we act, and how we feel. In his work as a happiness researcher, Mike Wiking has learned that people are happier if they hold a positive, nostalgic view of the past. But how do we make and keep the memories that bring us lasting joy? So it talks about how mental images are made, stored, and recalled in our brain, as well as the art of letting go, why we forget moments to make room for deeper, meaningful ones, good and bad, and how we can yeah. kind of toss those bad ones by replacing it with happy other ones. I know that it's got it's got like eight things that make um, – I feel like I'm giving like a – TED talk it's got like eight things that make a memory (laughs) last in your head and so it's something that I know a lot of I know a lot of moms who are reading it right now and so one of the things is like once you're done with the activity um what happens right after is usually stored in the memory so like we go skiing but then if the car ride home is a shit show then like that's the part that 
Elise is more likely to remember like the hard part sure. in the car. The fun thing doesn't last as long. Um, yeah. As the longer, harder thing. So it was like, you know, something about like have an extra like special snack for in the car or like sing songs together as a family in the car. Like don't just get back in the car and like play on your phone and like, did your kid in the back seat. Um, yeah. Apparently there are seven more things. And once the book gets to me, which I think it should get to me today, I'll have some more information about the other things. <laughs> but I want to make her memories happy and nostalgic and yeah. good. And so it's called. That sounds so good. That's such a good like read for parents to have to like parent, not necessarily in the way that your parents parented you. Right. You know, like I feel like. If we ever do have children, that's one of the things that I'm just going to be just, like, gobbling up books about. Like, that and, like, Hillary Burton Morgan's books about parenting. Like, some scientific ones, some magical woo-woo ones. Just have, like, a well-rounded... I know a lot of people with... Or my friend Melinda, she's got two kids, and so she reads all of the, like, siblings without rivalry books and, like, how to, like, foster your children's relationships with each other that is not, like, I don't know, catty. Yeah, I'll take books I wish my parents read for 500. (laughs) (laughs) The book title you sent me last night, is that your mom's name? Yes, yes, that's her name. I figured. (laughs) I laughed about it and then I fell asleep, but don't worry, I laughed. I assumed it was. Uh, That's funny. Yeah, so I think that... This is, like, a good mix of, like, escapist fiction books, some very sweet, intentional um, nonfiction books from Renee. I think that'll keep everyone very busy in January when everyone's not, um, you know, worshipping me, showering me with presents. I thought Um, you were going to say when everyone isn't, like, dieting. (laughs) No. No, no, No. but everyone's not kissing my feet, fanning me with big old leaves and, you know, feeding me grapes Do you remember that time I had your birthday, like, three times in my calendar? And it was like, happy birthday. Yes. Yes. And you were like, why did you put it in my calendar? And I was like, why would I put my own birthday the wrong day in your calendar? You're like, no, no, I didn't add this. You must have. It says like, Renee, I I was like, Renee, I cannot physically add something to your calendar. Can you add your current birthday and have it recur once a year (laughs) in my calendar, though? Because I'd love to be on the up. I sure can't. I can't do that because I've already made it a point to be like, Renee, you already told me happy birthday. We're all in done. a very sweet way. And I think that your daughter might have, you might have sent me a video of your daughter singing <laughs> happy birthday. Anyway, Renee, it's, you know what? It's way better than just forgetting altogether, just giving me a couple extra birthdays. What's the problem with that? I love to be celebrated. Maybe it was your I'm a birthday. Have we checked? Maybe it was. <laughs> it was like approximately six months ago. <laughs> it really does. It really does. That was so funny. I was like, Renee, you should check. We've told the story on the podcast before, but I was like, Renee, there's this sale of this brand that I love in Utah. You should go check it out. And she was like, pick out four to six items that you want and I'll go pick them up for you. And I was like, that's a lot. I just meant like, just go check it out. It's going to be cool. And she was like, no, no, it's not too much at all. You're a great friend. Like, let me just. And I was like, okay, well, I'll Venmo you. And she was like, no, no, it's your birthday. And I was like, like, no, "No, it's not. Wrong. It's not my birthday. It's not my birthday. (laughs) And then I was like, fuck those clothes. I'm not going. As you should. I was like, oh, my God, Renee, you do not have to buy me six pieces of clothing. Anyway, that was very silly and fun. But, yeah, my birthday's in January, so our next episode is going to be Aquarius Reads. 
And what does that mean? Who knows? Who's to say? She doesn't um, have to. Pick. Is, just... Are you going to do the same as book club? You can pick one book for both. That, that probably would be smart. That would probably be a smart thing to do. Um, I asked somebody in book club to take over January and everyone bullied me and they were like, we can't. It's your birthday month. You must tell us what to do. And I was like, okay. Okay, fine. I'll do it. Okay, fine. If you all insist. Um, but yeah, so I think it's fun. We don't really talk about books in that way. We don't really talk about them horoscope wise. So I think it'll be a fun little horoscope themed reading episode. Oh, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. I don't even know. Aquarius reads, bitch. Dylan's horoscope. I forget. I don't. That's okay. Dylan probably couldn't give a shit less about his Dylan horoscope. Has... <laughs> I think he knows what it is, but that like that the word, the name, and that's, sure. that's the extent. He he's like not reading the Guardian horoscope every week for him himself. Mm-hmm. He's not tentatively accepting his horoscope. <laughs> he's not tentatively <laughs> accepting his horoscope. If I sent him an email with it, he might he might give a yes. <laughs> you start it's like Pisces season. You add it to his. <laughs> no, I think it'll be fun. I think it'll be a fun episode. It'll like take us out of the box a little bit, out of our comfort zone a little bit. And we can just talk about woo-woo stuff because why not? It's our podcast. We do whatever we want. Do whatever we want. Um, Okay, listeners. That's it for today. Thanks for joining us on this tiny episode. A tiny baby episode that hopefully increased your TBR by at least 10 books. And we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye, philosophists. Bye, philosophists. Bye. Bye.